0: Hello and welcome to our second and hopefully a long series of podcasts of conversations between a priest and a rabbi. Hmm. My name is Craig Swan. I am the rector and priest at St. Peter's by the Sea in Narragansett and I am joined by. I am Rabbi Ethan Adler, um, spiritual
1: leader of congregation Beth David, which is about four or five blocks from
0: here. And we've had a wonderful 30-year-plus relationship between both our church and Temple Beth David. For this podcast, we want to look at the concept of healing and what that means when um, people of God talk about healing. And it couldn't come at a better time as we record this. Our country is once again in turmoil. Our divisions could not be more clear as we have just seen the storming of the nation's capital and are now in the process of impeaching and beginning to get ready for a trial of a sitting president. And we hear the word we need to heal our divisions. And so the question that I hope we can begin to delve into is when we talk about healing, Where does that begin? What does healing look like? And what does it mean to be actually healed? And so to begin our conversation, I want to turn this over to Rabbi Adler to share his thoughts and then we'll move on from there.
1: Very good, thank you so much. Again, I appreciate the opportunity to spend time with you and hopefully soon with the congregation as well. as you've said, we've enjoyed our last 30 plus years together and hope to continue for for many, many more years. Um, I think when I think about healing, I think if I had to summarize it all into as few words as possible, I would say it's a journey from stressed to blessed. So we go from uh, a situation where we are feeling stressed where we feel everything kind of like turning in on us to a point where we accept that but we also feel blessed uh, because of the things that we do have because of the things that that do work out um, you know we we feel stressed that we can't we can't spend time with our grandchildren you know everybody says you can't you can't hug over the internet, you know, but we're blessed because we do have the electronic capabilities and technology to Zoom, to stream, Facebook, WebEx, whatever, whatever choice we have, we can, we can spend time together that way. And so we go from, from stressed to blessed. Even what happened in Washington last week gives us tremendous amount of stress. And yet, just a few hours later, with... Relatively minimal damage. I mean, of course, people died, and that's never minimal, but compared to what it could have been, Congress went back, they did their thing. Um, Some was, was elected in a very democratic fashion. Um, those who perpetrated this event are being sought out, and justice is being served. And so we're blessed to live in a country that sometimes gets surprised sleeping, but wakes up very quickly and and so from from that point of view we we feel we feel blessed.
0: And the healing begins as we begin to go back to our way of being, as we as think about it, as we approach this topic, which is a topic I've begin begun to approach with our confirmation kids, and they are fourteen and fifteen years old. and I realized before we can talk about healing, it feels like we have to talk about. The root of disease and illness to begin with, because in order to understand what healing is, we have to also understand what is disease. And from a Christian perspective, we know that Jesus was always healing people. Jesus healed people constantly, whether they were blind, deaf, whether they were paralyzed, they had leprosy. And oftentimes when he healed people, he would always say, your sins are forgiven. Now that got him into a lot of trouble with the people around him because the only person who has the authority to forgive sins is God himself. But Jesus is on to something in saying "Your your sins are forgiven because to me where sin is in our lives is where there is the absence of God and good. And I love the model that came out from Francis McNutt that describes illness of any sort as disease, but he splits the word into dis and ease. And when he looks at it from a holistic structure, he says the body and the human being is combined of three parts, body, mind, and soul. And if any of them are out of whack, Disease enters the body. And so it begins to talk about we need to have a balance, but where healing begins for the human being is within our relationship with God. And so when Jesus goes to heal, he often says, your faith has made you well, which is a statement of your relationship or return to God has made you well and your sins are forgiven. So he's p- declaring that they have put their spiritual component mm-hmm. back onto a firm foundation. Great, from a, from a Jewish
1: perspective, when, when uh, our sages looked at illness, very similarly they looked at, at illness of the body and the illness of the soul. They saw the illness of the body as physical pain, that needs to be cured through procedures and medicine, whatever else. But spiritual illness, more than pain, they saw suffering. And that's where they saw healing. More more than the physical, but more the spiritual in the soul. And that it was an obligation of society to provide that healing and cure, cure equally. From looking at healing, um many of, again, rabbis and teachers spoke about trying to achieve wholeness and integration, which is, I think, what you were talking about as well, within yourself, within the community, and of course, of course, with God. So part of healing is to help a person return to their original equilibrium of how they were with themselves, the community and God, because when something bad happens, illness happens, it puts it out of whack. And so we need to find a way. For them to find an an equilibrium, so those who suffer can can learn to be resilient, with dignity and fortitude, and accepting what 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 they have, Um, and it it also comes through a a reframing, a reframing of sorts. So when you are when you are sick, um, you can certainly concentrate on the illness that you're suffering from. But you can also say, gee, I'm glad there's medication. I'm glad there's doctors, nurses. There are ways for me to get better. Even somebody suffering with COVID today who uh, makes it through can say, you know what? Thank goodness for vaccinations that are coming up and testing and everything we've been able to develop to, to, uh, to help out. And part of that healing comes through prayer comes through prayer um, and we have to be reminded to pray right I mean we just go through the day saying this is horrible this is bad but if we take time out to pray and to appreciate that in itself helps us heal we have we have a, a, a couple of prayers I want to uh, bring to you, bring up um, one of them is a prayer for our soul We have this notion that when we go to sleep, God takes our soul and cleans it, cleanses it. So he returns it to us pure and fresh. And we have a blessing in the morning, we're supposed to say, that says, I gratefully acknowledge you, living and everlasting God, that you have returned my soul to me with compassion. How great is your faith in me. So we express this faith in God, that he gives us this pure soul, and trust us to keep it pure may not happen but at least it gives us a sense a sense of a new beginning we also have a prayer that we say for people who are sick and um, basically it says may God who blessed our ancestors also bless this person and we name them and we say may the holy one overflow with compassion upon them to restore them to heal them to strengthen them to enliven them and to provide a complete and speedy healing. So we certainly understand the value um, that we can put into healing.
0: You know, prayer, uh, it's interesting, people wonder whether prayer is truly efficacious. And studies out of Harvard have shown that prayer is truly efficacious, there's an energy. In the Episcopal Church, we have two wonderful tools of, for spiritual healing. And again, I think that's the beginning of physical healing. And one is the sacrament of the sick, where I, as the priest, go out and we have a service and we have prayers and I anoint people with healing oil. Oftentimes when I do the sacrament, I not just touch with oil, but I lay my hands on them. And one of the prayers that I say is, As I pray for the person, I ask God literally to allow the energy of his love as a source of light and love and healing to flow in them. And I tell the kids oftentimes I can feel a sense of energy flowing from me into the person. And I believe one of the powers of prayer is that we direct through our prayers to God and focus and ask God to focus his healing energy on the individual. The other tool that people don't think about in the Episcopal Church as a wonderful tool for healing is the rite of reconciliation of a penitent or more popularly known as confession. (laughs) And unlike the Roman Catholic Church, we don't um, have the confessionals in most of our churches. We don't have that weekly time to get together and make confession. And so oftentimes, at least in my experience over the twenty years, is it's been used in pastoral counseling. And I'll find that a person who's come to talk to me has something so deep, so devastating in their mind that they're afraid even in my office to share it. And so I'll offer them the opportunity to come into the church. I'll put my stole on so they know no matter what they say, cannot be repeated. And oftentimes for the first time in decades, they have finally spoken and unburdened themselves of whatever they have felt guilty about for years and years and years. And they'll often report that I felt like this weight was lifted off my shoulder. And it truly has been and you know, I look into psychology and they talk about how emotions that aren't dealt with properly, especially anger can lead to physical illness. Well, so can that walking around with that weight of guilt and how that guilt over time does affect the body. And so and it also puts a wedge between us and God. And so the ability to be actually able to unburden themselves and for me as a priest to be able to say with assurance, your sin is forgiven. Just like you talked about in the morning, God washes you clean through the night. I can say God washes you clean. Go out and basically be free of this guilt. Right. And um it begins a process of both mental healing, and for some, it opens themselves for whatever physical thing has weighed them down as well. Absolutely. Forgiveness, a lot of people
1: have issues with forgiveness because they they associate for forgiveness with forgetting. They associate if I forgive you, that means that whatever whatever you did was okay. It doesn't bother me anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. And what many people don't realize is forgiveness is really not for the person that you're forgiving. It's for yourself. Because it unshackles you from any thoughts of revenge, of trying to understand. It just says, I don't want to carry this with me anymore. So I need to forgive you for me. I saw an incredible... Segment on 2020, many years ago, where this young man, probably in his 20s, was drunk driving, and he hit a woman um, who was pushing a stroller with like a, an eight year old. And sadly, the eight year old died, and he went to prison. And um, f- I guess for life. So now he's like 55 years old. And um, he spoke to the to the prison chaplain, and he says, I would like to meet the woman. I'd like to meet the mother and just tell her how sorry I am. So the chaplain says, I don't know if she'll be willing to come meet, talk to you, but I'll ask. And surprisingly, she said yes. So they filmed it. So he comes in a room, she walks into the room, and he says, you know... I just want you to know that every day I wish it was me that got run over and not your daughter. That it's the worst, worst thing that I ever could imagine me doing. And every day, every day, I pray to God. I found the Lord. I've been studying the Bible. And um, I'm just so very sorry. And I'd like forgiveness. And she said, I wasn't going to meet you. But I thought about it. And I felt I had to. She says, I want you to know. I still hope you rot in the underworld. But I needed to confront you for me. So I can forgive you, not for what you've done, but I can forgive you so I can move on. And then then she left. And I I thought it was, people have reactions to that, but I thought it was very poignant to show us that when we forgive,
0: it's really really something that's good for us as well. It's very much in line with, Dr. Marie Fortune, uh, former professor at Yale University uh, wrote about in terms of the stages of healing of women who have suffered um, sexual trauma and that basically what forgiveness is, is not about forgetting, but it's no longer allowing that person to have control over you or that incident to rule your life. And to be able to move on from there without carrying that burden. And that's very much what the woman talks about mm-hmm. is, you know, I'll leave your punishment now up to God, whatever that looks like. Right, right. But for me, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And as Marie points out as well is that it doesn't mean I forgive you, so now we're going to be friends and we're going to socialize. That's not mm-hmm. what it's about. Right. Um, and she actually um, blamed the church at one point of, Being too quick to forgive, especially in terms of um, people of sexual um, perpetrators of sexual assault, because everyone wants to forgive, forget, and move on. But the healing of the person who's been traumatized begins when they say, I don't want to be controlled by this anymore. I'm going to let it go and forgive and move from there. I think as I look at our country today and its divisions, one of the things I've been preaching about is we need to begin with forgiveness there's so much anger it doesn't mean that we sweep the problems of the country under the rug we're still going to disagree on what the outcomes are but i'm not going to let the anger and i'm going to say even the media control me in how i feel about my neighbor or about a specific party. We can agree to disagree on policy, but in terms of beginning to unite, because I said to my congregation uh, last week, is that there's not a one person in this congregation, including their priest, who hasn't lost a friendship or is no longer speaking to a family member because of the issues in the division of this country and a lot of bad things have been said and until we begin to work with love and unity and let past words be past words but know that we seek unity because we are all beloved children of God Mm -hmm. until that happens we can't have unity now that's not to say that we don't have a lot of issues in this country to fix
1: yeah, and I think one, one way to deal with anger <clears throat> is to reframe, to reframe your world. And I, I, I'd like, this is a true story um, written by a neurologist um, who had this experience with a patient, we'll call him Jonathan, just for the sake of a name. And he writes, he says, Jonathan was a successful artist who painted large abstract canvases resplendent with every color in the rainbow. When he was 65 years old he was injured in a car accident and he suffered a rare form of brain damage that caused him to suddenly lose his color vision and viewed the entire world in gray hues, as if on a black and white television set. In an instant his world was shattered. His own paintings were meaningless, jumbled to his eye. He was disgusted by the gray world that that he was thrust into. His neurologist described the depression and fury the colorblind artist felt in those first first weeks and months. The wrongness of everything was disturbing, even disgusting, and applied to every part of his daily life. In those early days, Jonathan would sit and stare in a rage at an orange, willing it to be orange. He couldn't see it. And yet, after a few months, He spoke less and less about what he had lost and began to shift away from the world of color. He started becoming a night person and would drive to new towns at dusk to explore them in darkness. His work as an artist reflected this brand new world that he had discovered. A few years after his accident, he began painting large black and white canvases, which were more powerful and successful than his color work had ever been. His unique vision was born through terrible loss and pain, but a terrible loss reframed. Jonathan was able to find fresh ways of communicating creatively. Only through the mourning, the loss of color, did he truly find a new world of texture. So certainly reframing help us can help us to put things into into perspective and another part of reframing um, is to help us adapt a positive mental attitude that says you know things are bad but my goodness could they be worse (laughs) could they could they be worse and uh, doesn't take too much imagination to think how much worse we could be in this country and um, so I think reframing um, can be a first, or one of the few first steps towards towards healing.
0: I think that goes back to some of your earlier uh, thoughts when you talked about, you know, while we cannot hug our grandchildren, uh, we can visit by Zoom and all these other ways through the internet. Uh, I remember growing up the commercial, Ma Bell is the next best thing to being there, and now we've improved upon that to Zoom. Right. And that reframing, because it reminds me of a parish of mine from my previous parish who became a paraplegic in a motorcycle accident when he was 20. And he, just like the artist, he mourned and mourned and mourned um, the loss of these of his legs. Took up alcohol and just was ready to give up. And it wasn't until he discovered he was gonna be a father and his wife gave him the word, either you grow up or I'm out of here, that he began to turn his life around. And the advice that he gave me and what got him going day to day, is he said, I learned to focus on everything I can do and not on what I can't. When I did his funeral, I talked about the fact that stupid me um, one day talking to him in his wheelchair said, You know, your boys are really tall. Where do they get their height from? And he looked for me and said, Father, I was six foot two when I could walk. And I had forgotten that he was in that wheelchair because the wheelchair wasn't an obstacle, it was part of who he was. And I talked about how he had gone from being broken. To being whole even though his back may not have healed in his brokenness he felt found wholeness and i think that's really the key to when we talk about healing and spiritual healing it may not be about physical repair all the time but it's finding peace and being able to grow within that obstacle to find wholeness in your brokenness and that wholeness, I think, comes from our relationship with God.
1: Yeah, Yet also, I think another key element is um, appreciation. We can appreciate what, what we have, as you said, rather than concentrating on what, what we don't. Um, and to appreciate the little things that we have. Um, our ability to button the shirt, which someday we may not be able to. Um, even dare I say, going to the bathroom. In the Jewish tradition, there is actually a bathroom prayer. When you leave the bathroom, you're supposed to say this prayer. Now, I, I remember when I was four or five years old and coming in to go to the bathroom after playing with my friends. All I wanted to do was go go back out and and play again. And my grandmother would always stop me and. Give me this piece of paper that had the prayer on it, and I'm like, blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want, I just want, and, and you know, sometimes I'd flush and try to run out of the house, and she'd catch me, you know. Um, let me read you the prayer, and then I'll I'll continue. And this says, "Blessed are you, God, who formed us with wisdom and created within us many openings." and hollow places it is obvious and known before you God that if even one of them would be opened or one of them would be shut would be impossible to survive and to stand before you for even one hour blessed are you God who heals all flesh and acts wondrously in other words the bathroom prayer thank you God for creating us in a way that everything works and when, it's, when if it doesn't, that's when we learn to appreciate it. And you know, as we all get older, <laughs> we know that, you know, sometimes the plumbing suffers, you know, not yet, thank God, but you know, it's on the horizon. So part of the wisdom of this tradition is that if you learn to appreciate even the, the things that are minor even things that you take for granted. um, When bad things happen, you can call on those things and say, you know what, let me be appreciative of what I do have
0: and not what I don't, as you had said earlier. I think as we go into the days ahead, we still have many days of struggle before us as a nation, whether it be the pandemic or the ongoing um, division in this country, I think those words are are wise to all of us as we wake up each morning and take the time to say, thank you for what we can do. Thank you for what we have. And thank you for where we can find unity in this country. And then look to God and say, what one of our prayers says this is another day o lord i know not what it will bring if i am to lay low let me do so with patience if i am to stand up let me do so gallantly it's when we're at peace with god and our relationship with god is as whole as it can be and growing that no matter what is going on around us no matter what our physical bodies may be doing we find within that brokenness peace because the fullness of god shines upon us beautifully said
1: i i think all of this can can somehow be summarized with with one of my favorite quotes that says healing doesn't mean the damage never existed healing means the damage no longer controls our lives and i think that's 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 a lesson that I think will, will take us through the next few days, weeks, months, and years and give us the resilience we need to allow healing to take place.
0: And on that, let us say amen. Amen to that. So be it. So be it.